Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse on the link atop for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's an option to subscribe to um, receive a daily lesson uh, email <laughs> that includes both the lessons of the day as well as the text for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday to Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. Today we continue with our reading of Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, with two sections. We'll be reading the alternate Two Dreams of Fear, Section 6, and we'll also be reading Section 7, The Secret Vow. We're also mindful of our lesson today, the final in the series of what is the real world, and this lesson today is Lesson 300. Only an instant does this world endure. That beautiful line, let no false perception keep us in its hold. And I have to tell you by way of opening this morning, I was directed past and future and present. It was a very interesting morning for an opening today, but I'll rest today to open this call with Lesson 293, which is the upshot of today's lesson. That being, all fear is past and only love is here. All fear is past because its source is gone and all its thoughts gone with it. Love remains the only present state whose source is here forever and forever. Can the world seem bright and clear and safe and welcoming with all my past mistakes oppressing it and showing me distorted forms of pain? Yet in the present, love is obvious and its effects apparent. All the world shines in reflection of its holy light, and I perceive a world forgiven at last. Father, let not your holy world escape my sight today, nor let my ears be deaf to all the hymns of gratitude the world is singing underneath the sounds of fear. There is a real world which the present holds safe from all past mistakes, and I would see only this world before my eyes today, because only an instant does this world endure. Amen. So, thank you so much. It was an interesting, interesting um, perspective this morning. Yeah, thank you. Really happy to. Really happy to land there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, you guys. All right, so here's our reading list today. We've got Lemoyne, Fran, Harrison, and Karen. We're joined in listening this morning by Jennifer. And who else has joined would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Patricia here listening this morning. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Patricia. And let's see, 
We'll be thinking of Robin Marie, who's traveling this morning. And here we go. In chapter 28, in doing a fear, starting at section 6, the alternate to dreams of fear, beginning today at paragraph 47. What is a sense of sickness? What is a sense of sickness but a sense of limitation? Of a splitting off and separating from? A gap, a gap perceived between ourselves and what is seen as health. The good is seen outside the evil in. And thus is sickness separating off the self from good and keeping evil in. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. Who shares in them can never share in him, but who withdraws his mind from sharing them is sharing him. There is no other choice. Except you share it, nothing can exist. And you exist because God shared his will with you that his creation might create. How about that? Boy. Okay. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. Section 6, The Alternate to Dreams of Fear. What is, a, what is a sense of sickness but a sense of limitation? Of a splitting off and separating from? A gap perceived between ourselves and what is seen as health? The good is seen outside, the evil in. And thus is sickness separating off the self from good and keeping evil in. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. Who shares in them can never share in him. But who withdraws his mind from sharing them is sharing him. There is no other choice. Except you share it, nothing can exist. And you exist because God shared his will with you that his creation might create. It is the sharing of the evil dreams of hate and malice, bitterness and death, of sin and suffering, of pain and loss that makes them real. Unshared, they are perceived as meaningless. The fear is gone from them because you did not give them your support. Where fear has gone, their love must come because there are but these alternatives. When one appears, the other disappears. And which you share becomes the only one you have. You have the one which you accept because it is the only one you want. You share no evil dreams if you forgive the dreamer and perceive that he is not the dream he made. And so he cannot be a part of yours from which you both are free. Forgiveness separates the dreamer from the evil dream and thus releases him. 
Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 48. It is the sharing of the evil dreams of hate and malice, bitterness and death, of sin and suffering, of pain and loss, that makes them real. Unshared, they are perceived as meaningless. The fear is gone from them because you did not give them your support. Where fear has gone, their love must come because there are but these alternatives. Where one appears, the other disappears. And what you share becomes the only one you have. You have the one which you accept because it is the only one you want to have. You share no evil dreams if you forgive the dreamer and perceive that he is not the dream he made. And so he cannot be a part of yours from which you both are free. Forgiveness separates the dreamer from the evil dream and thus releases him. 49. Remember, if you share an evil dream, you will believe you are the dream you share. And fearing it, you will not want to know your own identity because you think that it is fearful. And you will deny yourself and walk upon an alien ground which your creator did not make and where you seem to be a quote-unquote something you are not. You will make war against yourself, which seems to be your enemy, and will attack your brother as a part of what you hate. There is no compromise. You are your capital S self or an illusion. What can be between illusion and the truth? A middle ground where you can be a thing that is not, you must be a dream and cannot be the truth. Thank you. And Harrison. 49. Remember, you share an evil dream. You will believe you are the dream you share. Let me go back. Remember, if you share an evil dream, you will believe that you are the dream you share. And fearing it, you will not want to know your own identity because you think that it is fearful and you will deny yourself and walk upon an alien ground which your creator did not make and where you seem to be a something you are not. You will make war upon yourself which seems to be your enemy and will attack your brother as a part of what you hate. There is no compromise. You are yourself or an illusion. What can be between illusion and the truth? A middle ground where you can be a thing that is not you must be a dream and cannot be the truth. 50. 
You have conceived a little gap between illusions and the truth to be the place where all your safety lies and where your capital as self is safely hidden by what you have made. Here is a world established that is sick, and this the world the body's eyes perceive. Here are the sounds it hears, the voices which its ears were made to hear. Yet sights and sounds the body can perceive are meaningless. It cannot see nor hear. It does not know what seeing is, what listening is for. It is as little able to perceive as it can judge or understand or know. Its eyes are blind, its ears are deaf, it cannot think, and so it cannot have effects. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. 50. You have conceived a little gap between illusions and the truth to be the place where all your safety lies and where yourself is safely hidden by what you have made. Here is a world established that is sick, and this the world's body's eyes perceive. Here are the sounds it hears, the voices which its ears were made to hear. Yet sights and sounds the body can perceive are meaningless. It cannot see nor hear. It does not know what seeing is, what listening is for. It is as little able to perceive as it can judge or understand or know. Its eyes are blind. Its ears are deaf. It cannot think. And so it cannot have effects. 51. What is there God created to be sick? And what that he created not can be? Let not your eyes behold a dream. Your ears bear witness to illusion. They were made to look upon a world that is not there, to hear the voices that can make no sound. Yet are there other sounds and other sights which can be seen and heard and understood? For eyes and ears are senses without sense. And what they see and hear, they but report. It is not they that hear and see, but you who put together every jagged piece, each senseless scrap and shred of evidence 
and make a witness to the world you want. Let not the body's eyes and ears perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap which you imagined, and let them persuade their maker his imaginings were were real. Thank you, Karen. And would there be a new reader for uh, 51 and 52? Fifty-one and fifty-two. Alrighty, Lemoyne, back to you. Okay. What is there God created to be sick? And what that he created not can be? Let not your eyes behold a dream, your ears bear witness to illusion. They were made to look upon a world that is not there, to hear the voices that can make no sound. Yet there are other sounds and other sights which can be seen and heard and understood. For eyes and ears are senses without sense. And what they see and hear, they but report. It is not they that hear and see, but you who put together every jagged piece, each senseless scrap and shred of evidence, and make a witness to the world you want. Let not the body's ears and eyes perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap which you imagine. And let then let them, excuse me, I'll read that again. Let not the body's ears and eyes perceive these countless fragments seen within the gap which you imagine, and let them persuade their maker his imaginings were real. Creation proves reality because it shares the function all creation shares. It is not made of little bits of glass, a piece of wood, a thread or two perhaps, all put together to attest its truth. Reality does not depend on this. There is no gap which separates the truth from dreams and from illusions. Truth has left no room for them in any place or time, for it fills every place and every time and makes them wholly indivisible. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 52. Creation proves reality because it shares the function all creation shares. It is not made of little bits of glass, a piece of wood, a thread or two perhaps, all put together to attest its truth. Reality does not depend on this. There is no gap which separates the truth from dreams and from illusions. Truth has left no room for them in any place or time. Excuse me for it fills every place and every time and makes them wholly indivisible. 53. 
You who believe there is a little gap between you do not understand that it is here that you are kept as prisoners in a world perceived to be existing here. The world you see does not exist because the place where you perceive it is not real. The gap is carefully concealed in fog and misty pictures rise to cover it with vague, uncertain forms and changing shapes, forever unsubstantial and unsure. Yet in the gap is nothing, and there are no awesome secrets and no darkened tombs where terror arises from the bones of death. Look at the little gap, and you behold the innocence and emptiness of sin that you will see within yourself when you have lost the fear of recognizing love. Boy, don't you love that sentence? Uh, Thank you, Fran. And Harrison, if you'd like to do 53, and we'll roll right into the secret vow after that, okay? Yes. 53. You who believe there is a little gap between you, do not understand that it is here that you are kept as prisoners in a world perceived to be existing here. The world you see does not exist because the place where you perceive it is not real. The gap is carefully concealed in fog and misty pictures rise to cover it with vague, uncertain forms and changing shapes, forever unsubstantial and unsure. Yet, in the gap is nothing, and there are no awesome secrets and no darkened tombs where terror rises from the bones of death. Look at the little gap and you behold the innocence and emptiness of sin that you will see within yourself when you have lost the fear of recognizing love. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, Section 7, The Secret Vows. 54. Who punishes the body is insane. For here the little gap is seen, and yet, It is not here. It has not judged itself nor made itself to be what it is not. It does not seek to make a pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust. It does not tell you what its purpose is and cannot understand what it is for. 
It does not victimize because it has no will, no preferences, and no doubt. It does not wonder what it is, and so it has no need to be competitive. It can be victimized, but cannot feel itself as victim. It accepts no role that does what it is told without attack. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. Section 7, The Secret Vows. 54. Who punishes the body is insane. For here, the little gap is seen, and yet it is not here. It has not judged itself, nor made itself to be what it is not. It does not seek to make of pain a joy and look for lasting pleasure in the dust. It does not tell you what its purpose is and cannot understand what it is for. It does not victimize because it has no will, no preferences, and no doubts. It does not wonder what it is and so it has no need to be competitive. It can be victimized but cannot feel itself a victim. It accepts no role, but does what it is told without attack. 55. It is indeed a senseless point of view to hold responsible for sight a thing that cannot see and blame it for the sounds you do not like, although it cannot hear. It suffers not the punishment you give because it has no feelings. It behaves in ways you want, but never makes the choice. It is not born and does not die. It can but follow aimlessly the path on which it has been set. And if that path is changed, it walks as easily another way. It takes no sides and judges not the road it travels. It perceives no gap because it does not hate. It can be used for hate, but it cannot be hateful made thereby. Oh, thank you, Karen. And do we have a new reader for 55 and 56? Anybody joined us that would like to do 55 and 56? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. It is indeed a senseless point of view to hold responsible for sight, a thing that cannot see, 
and blame it for the sounds you do not like, although it cannot hear. It suffers not the punishment you give because it has no feeling. It behaves in ways you want, but never makes the choice. It is not born and does not die. It can but follow aimlessly the path on which it has been set. And if that path is changed, it works as easily another way. It takes no sides and judges not the road it travels. It perceives no gap because it does not hate. It can be used for hate, but it cannot be hateful made thereby. The thing you hate and fear and loathe and want, the body does not know. You send it forth to seek for separation and to be a separate thing. And then you hate it, not for what it is, but for the uses you have made of it. You shrink from what it sees and what it hears and hate its frailty and littleness. And you despise its acts, but not your own. It sees and acts for you. It hears your voice. And it is frail and little by your wish. It seems to punish you and thus deserve your hatred for the limitations which it brings to you. Yet you have made of it a symbol for the limitations which you want your mind to have and see and keep. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 56. The thing you hate and fear and loathe and want, the body does not know. You send it forth to seek for separation and to be a separate thing. And then you hate it, not for what it is, but for the uses you have made of it. You shrink from what it sees and what it hears and hate its frailty and littleness. And you despise its acts, but not your own. It sees and acts for you. It hears your voice. And it is frail and little by your wish. It seems to punish you and must deserve your hatred for the limitations which it brings to you. Yet you have made of it a symbol for the limitations which you want your mind to have and see and keep. 57. The body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really yours. You hate it, yet you think it is yourself, and that without it, without it would yourself be lost. This is the secret vow which you have made with every brother who would walk apart. This is the secret oath you take again, whenever you perceive yourself attacked. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. Unstated and unheard, it's in consciousness is every pledge to sickness. Yet it is a promise to another 
to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. Wow. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. 57. The body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really yours. You hate it, yet you think it is yourself, and that without it would yourself be lost. This is the secret vow which you have made with every brother who would walk apart. This is the secret vow you take again whenever you perceive yourself attacked. No one can suffer. No one can suffer if he does not see himself attacked and losing by attack. Unstated and unheard in consciousness is every to sickness. Yet it is a promise to another to be hurt by him and to attack him in return. 58. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. It is the obvious effect of what was made in secret, in agreement with another's sacred wish to be apart from you, as you would be apart from him, unless you both agree that is your wish, it can have no effect. Whoever says, quote, there is no gap between my mind and yours, unquote, has kept God's promise, not his tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death, and by his healing is his brother healed. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. 58. Sickness is anger taken out upon the body so that it will suffer pain. It is the obvious effect of what was made in secret in agreement with another's secret wish to be apart from you as you would be apart from him. Unless you both agree that is your wish, it can have no effects. Whoever says, quote, there is no gap between my mind and yours, unquote, 
has kept God's promise, not the tiny oath to be forever faithful unto death. And by his healing is his brother healed. 59. Let this be your agreement with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. And he will keep the promise that you make with him because it is the one which he has made to God as God has made to him. God keeps his promises. His son keeps his. In his creation did his father say, quote, you are beloved of me and I of you forever. Be you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me, unquote. His son remembers that he replied, quote, I will, unquote. So in that promise, he was born. Yet God reminds him of it every time he does not share a promise to be sick, but lets his mind be healed and unified. His secret vows are powerless before the will of God. The promises he shares, whose promises he shares, and what he substitutes is not his will, who who has made promise of himself to God. Thank you, Karen. And um, is there anyone, any new reader or anyone else who'd like to finish this morning with paragraph 59? Well, since this is where we land, I think I'll just read it. It'll be my privilege, 59. Let this be your agreement with each one, that you be one with him and not apart. And he'll keep the promise that you made with him because it is the one which he made with God, as God has made to him. God keeps his promises. His son keeps his. And is it in his creation did his father say, quote, you are beloved of me and I of you forever you perfect as myself, for you can never be apart from me. End quote. The son remembers not that he replied, I will, though in that promise he was born. Yet God reminds him of it every time he does not share a promise to be sick and lets his mind be healed and unified. His secret vows are powerless before the will of God, whose promises he shares. And what he substitutes is not his will, who has made promise of himself to God. Mm. Amen. And she was, we just landed right at the top of the hour, um, where we can undo that secret vow uh, with our with our lesson today. So, Fran, we'll turn it over to you. And please accept our gratitude for doing this every morning. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lori. 
Thank you so much. And thanks for what you do, too. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And this is the theme that we're on is what is the real world? And this is our last day. Uh, Lesson 300 today. Only an instant does this world endure. So I shall read some from what is the real world. And then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the real world? The real world is a symbol like the rest of what perception offers. Yet it stands for what is opposite to what you made. Your world is seen through eyes of fear and brings the witnesses of terror to your mind. The real world cannot be perceived except through eyes for goodness blesses. So they see a world where terror is impossible and witnesses to fear cannot be found. The real world holds a counterpart for each unhappy thought reflected in your world. A sure correction for the sights of fear and sounds of battle which your world contains. The real world shows a world seen differently, through quiet eyes and with a minded peace. Nothing but rust is there. There are no cries of pain and sorrow heard, for nothing here remains outside forgiveness. And the sights are gentle. Only happy sights and sounds can reach the mind that has forgiven itself. I will go over to the lesson. Lesson 300. Only an instant does this world endure. This is a thought that can be used to say that death and sorrow are the certain lot of all who come here. For their joys are gone before they are possessed or even grasped. Yet this is also the idea that lets no false perception keep us in its hold nor represent more than a passing cloud upon a sky eternally serene. And it is this serenity we seek, unclouded, obvious, and sure today. We seek your holy world today, for we, your loving sons, have lost our way a while. But we have listened to your voice and learned exactly what to do to be restored to heaven and our true identity. And we give thanks today. The world endures but for an instant. We would go beyond that tiny instant to eternity. Five minutes.
Lesson 300. Only an instant does this world endure. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. Thank you so much, friend. Thank you. Do you have more you want to share about the, the lesson, Fran? I was just thinking, when I first read this, <laughs> only an instant of this world, it was kind of creepy. I was like, oh, gosh, until I got into it when he says, yet this is also the idea that lets no false perception keep us in its hold. Then I, I sort of understood it. You know, and I was grateful for it. Yeah. And is this serenity we seek? Unclouded, obvious, and sure today. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Fran. That's exactly um and that's exactly the invitation to the shift that's right right in the middle of that lesson. Um I just love that line too. <laughs> yeah, kind of creepy. I had it all wrong. Oh my God! But wait now. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Thank you too, Lori. Very funny. <laughs> Good morning, it's Karen. Just for an instant, does this world endure? I thought, just for an instant, do these illusions endure? Um, Eternal holiness abides in me. Eternal holiness and serenity are the truth. Just for an instant, does this world of suffering, sin, malice, fear, anger, destruction, just for an instant, do these illusions endure? Um, Going to the reading, it says, don't share the illusions, don't share the dream of suffering and fear um, and hatred. And that really made me think of, like, um, someone shared on the first call about our our political world, our country, the country, the United States. It's like people are sharing the illusions of hatred and division and anger and name-calling. And, and that's, it's got a power. It has a power, even though it's all existing within the gap which means it's actually all existing within the space of only illusion and not truth. Because it says in our reading that the gap is nothing. The gap is nothing. This world endures in the gap, and the gap is nothing. But when minds come together and share and construct a story, 
and select witnesses and pick up scraps and fragments and threads and rocks and then make it a thing of illusions and they share it, they empower it. But it isn't truth because in truth there is no gap. In truth, there's no separation. In truth, there's eternal holiness and eternal serenity. Um, the body is like a completely neutral thing that was made to go with this world, this world of a, that is not God's creation. And we keep in, endowing it with, you know, all of this autonomy and all of this power to make decisions and all of this limitation, victimization, suffering, you know, how it gets sick and how it does this and how it does that. Oh, I'm so sensitive to this food and, you know, I'm old so I can't do this anymore. But the body is not is not real. It's it's the mind that's making the story up, selecting all the witnesses, selecting all the fragments. Um, I love the, the concept, when fear has gone, love must come. Because that means when the gap is clear and empty, the love just comes back and fills it up. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. God is the alternate to dreams of fear. Truth is the alternate to dreams of fear. And the sharing makes the dreams seem real. The sharing of the evil dreams makes them feel real. Sickness is splitting off from God and separating. Um, I, I have to remember to forgive the dreamer because the dreamer is not the dream he made. The dreamer is one with God. The dreamer is eternal holiness. The dreamer is eternal serenity. The dream is something else entirely. It just And also remember that what is not of God has no effect. What is not of God has no effect. Let go of all illusions. This world endures but for an instant. The instant that I forget who I am. The instant that I don't recognize what is illusion and what is truth. I think that's enough. Thank you for letting me share that. I'm complete. Boy, you hit on all of it, Karen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. Oh, thank you, Karen. I especially love the simplicity. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Harry. No, go ahead. I'm glad that that was recorded, Karen. It bears worth listening to again. Great explanation of everything actually we read today. Um, 
This lesson only an instant does this world endure. Brings by, <coughs> excuse me, memories of an incident years ago where I went to visit a close friend of mine and it just so happens uh, the morning before I got there, uh, her mother had died. And her mother was just a light. I mean, just a beautiful light. Uh, she was a devout Catholic who went to Mass every day. And uh, was just so open and receptive. Uh, to everyone who seemed to come within her orbit. And my friend, who was a course student, uh, mentioned this lesson in relationship to her mother's passing. Only an incident does this world endure? And it was a, a different context in which I understood the lesson. So we had some drawing back and forth. Now, years later, as I look at it, I understand where my friend was coming from. Uh, particularly uh, with respect to the first line, that this thought can be used to say that death and sorrow are the certain lot of all who come here. Death and sickness and all the things that Karen was talking about are part of this dream. And uh, as long as we are dreaming, we will experience all the things of the dream. As long as we're dreaming it, and not realize that we're dreaming. And the purpose of the Course, as I see it, is to wake me up from the dream. And that dream started the moment I accepted the tiny man idea that I was separate from God. And once I accept the atonement from myself, which is the awakening, once I realize that it never happened, I never fell asleep. I never dreamed this world. Then this world 
will disappear in an instant. And just a word um, about today's lesson, uh, today's reading. 57, the body represents the gap between the little bit of mind you call your own and all the rest of what is really there's a reason why the body is the central, <clears throat> the central figure in the dream. You hear what the body is doing to my voice because the body doesn't want to hear what I have to say. I hate the body, and yet I think it is myself. And that without it would myself be lost. That is when I have embraced the body as myself. When I like go of the idea that my body is representative of who and what I am. When I accept what the Course has just constantly reminding me, I am not a body, I am free, for I'm still as God created me. When I fully accept that idea, then I can't be sick, I can't die, I can't be hurt, I can't hurt another because they're not bodies either. It relieves me of all the self-responsibility that I have accepted for myself. All of the things the body has done, I can now accept and understand that in truth, it never happened. It only endured for a minute. Just a moment. Just an instant. And then it was gone. And I'm back to being myself with the capital S as God created me. I'm complete. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Harrison. I loved it.
Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for going back to the text. It just deepens everything. Thank you. I also just want to say thank you to everyone for letting me share because it really helps me to integrate it mentally and, you know, really own it. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. When you get it, we get it. Yeah, that is precisely why we do this every morning. Thank you. Yes, it is. This is Ida. Hi. Only an instant does this world endure. Wow. That's a big one. Um, I'm 66, but I'm still at the point where I see enough time ahead of me in the physical life so that I feel like I have more than an instant left for me that it's not just talking about me, it's talking about the whole world. That's a big one. So contemplate on that. I um yesterday when I was here, here where I live, I felt unloved and ignored. And especially in the morning, by the time the afternoon came, I was feeling better. I went back to more of a sense that love is something I have to give, not wait to receive. But I found myself getting on a dating, an online dating site last night. And in my profile, I put a big deal mentioning the A Course in Miracles or some other spiritual path that is big on forgiveness. And I mentioned, I even mentioned non-dualism. But it seemed like the guys ignored what I said mostly and nobody mentioned the Course in Miracles to me that were applied to me. So, you know, I have to find, I mean, it seems like I always have to make decisions or appear to make decisions in this life. We all do. It seems like I have to introduce that to someone else. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, uh, I'll pray about it and uh, do the best I can. I always do. We all always do. Do the best we can. And thanks for letting me share and hearing me. I'm complete. 
Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Great to hear you. Thank you, Ida. It's great to hear from you. I miss you. Um, I don't know if you were not on the call or if I just missed it, but I missed you. I was good to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Ida. It's really good to hear hear your voice. And um, yeah, there's not a lot. Um, it's like a, a little percentage of people who um, hang out in Course in Miracles, you know, probably less than 5%. So <laughs> just pray for, <clears throat> for what you're wanting and keep moving forward and see what happens. Let it all out there. Thanks, everybody. I, As far as my... My not being on the call, I have been when I can, but I wake up, I have a roommate here in a, in a room, and there's, plus me and my roommate, there's eight other people that live here, and there's always one staff, and then they're going to get ready for breakfast and have breakfast and take my meds while the, this call is on. So I can't always get to this call very, for very long. And a lot of times I'm on there, and Lori probably knows I'm on there, or the Moine, but because they know my number, but I'm quiet because I don't know when I'll have to leave and stuff like that. So I hope you understand, but it's mm-hmm. good to hear from all of you too. Thank you. Oh, thank you, sweetie. We love you, Ida. <laughs> I you. you know, that's the marvelous thing about our relationships. I noticed it right away when I started being on this call. I thought, um, this this touchstone every morning um, it turns out to be something that um, stays in my awareness all day long. And I, th- I thought, what is this? What is this? I thought it's just the one mind that we share, and because we share it so intimately, I don't know about you, but on this call, I I share things about myself and my experience and my understanding of God that I don't have a chance to to share anywhere else in the world. Um, and when I found it, I realized I had been starving for it. I'd been thirsting in the desert for the opportunity to talk about my love, my lovely love is you, you know? And and to have that um, opportunity, this thing we share is such a gift uh, that we give each other, you know? Right away I started thinking, I, I think about you guys all day long. I thought, what is that? I'm thinking about these guys all day long and how they said this and how I would say that. And and it's um, this opportunity to manifest truth and holiness and love and one-mindedness that we give each other as a gift every morning. I just don't think there's anything more precious. So thank you all. Complete. Thank you, Lori. 
Lori, you're like a mama chicken herding around all these baby chicks. There's a chicken hawk in the yard, but he's little. He's a a baby too. So it's really cute how, well, I guess we all do that with each other. I feel you. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. I would never use the same thing. I was thinking that... um, you know, this is this is a call where we're actually um, treating each other right. You know, and in the world, even if we're not outwardly hostile or even unconsciously hostile, but when we go out into the world, I don't know, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but there's that conditioned sense of separation. And this is the safe space. You know, I wanted to say back to Ida, there's no judgment, just love. No judgment, just love. You know, sometimes I'm on the call, sometimes I'm not on the call. Sometimes, you know, my family dramas are all pulling me in different directions or I have to keep going off the call to, to respond. But I know you guys don't judge and there's no judgment. And that's the thing. This call is more than talking about the course, but actually an opportunity and a space to be living in it, to be living in it, to be living in the oneness, to be living in the truth of our oneness, and trying to just be empty and let Holy Spirit be through, exist through us and being us in our, um, the one consciousness. And it's just, it's such a gift because for me especially, I can feel the difference of where I was a year ago, you know, and that, in that uh, worldly, egoic, hostile, defensive place that I was also absorbed in because I had taken, um, I guess, a break, I guess during the pandemic especially, you know, it really became isolation and the... Uh, the news or the television or media was was filling my mind and that's and ah you know terrible reality anyway this call is like coming home to a family of truth a family of love and i'm complete thank you oh thank you so much amen yeah Amen. It's just beautiful. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. This is Jennifer. Uh, Forgive me, I I don't have internet uh, the last, or I haven't had internet the last three, four days, so I'm not reading with you guys. I really rather be. Um, Will do starting Monday, but so I don't, I'm not going to be able to reflect back to the text, but I wanted to share a miracle that happened to me yesterday. Um, I'm at work and I have a a personality that I have a challenge with and um, and someone who's quite, uh, can be quite needy and I think everyone feels like I have felt about this, this personality. And um, anyways, I 
I was in a situation communicating with this uh, per, this being, beautiful being, um, even though they're very hungry, thirsty for for love. And I I watched, I witnessed myself um, and my resistance to being open to this person uh, completely. And um, I noticed that they noticed that I wasn't completely open and they, I noticed some anger possibly on the other side. So the communication was ended quickly because we're working. We've got to move on and, and, and do our work, work our shift. Anyways, so and then in the middle of my shift at some point, I was doing my, um, my lesson, uh, There is No Love But God. And in it was to bless three, three times an hour to bless three people that come to mind. Um, and usually those three people that come to my mind are people that I have some resistance to being open to love with. <laughs> so I, you know, saw this person immediately come up and I, I did the lesson and immediately I felt released from this world. And I had this big smile on my face because in that release, I still felt the resistance of the ego and the old fear of um, someone else's need taking uh, precedence over my need to be connected to God and uh, to feel loved by God first. And, um, but the truth is, is if I re- am open to receive love, God, in the moment, then everything opens and flows from myself and them as well, giving and receiving are one. But to feel it and then still feel in the body, you know, because the body is not the problem. It's, it's how I was thinking all those decades past and lifetimes, sure, lifetimes of, of absolutely. So it was so cool <laughs> to witness, be present, and not guilt myself or um, hold a judgment or resentment towards this beautiful being calling for love and, and just being okay with where things fell and opening to God. Anyways, that's my miracle. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Jennifer. And thanks for bringing it back to giving and receiving or wanting truth. Um, that's the gift of relationship. And uh, I'm really grateful that you pointed that out. Thank you. Blessings thank to you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I want to say one more thing. This is Jen. <clears throat> I think I'm starting to be okay with that and not feel guilty that I don't have to like everybody. But I do want to love everyone. So 
the Tina Turner song, What Love Got to Do With It. <laughs> I get it now. It's so funny. You know, so I'm going to allow myself to, to feel whatever comes up and, and learn to love the irritants and release them back to God and just in that instant because that's, that's the giving receiving. Oh, thank you, Lori, for, for, um, for under, repeating that. And uh, anyways, I'm complete. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. You know, I just want to say quickly, this is Diana. Um, I just wrote, this is really amazing to me. I just wrote what Jennifer just said. Uh, I'm just going to say what I wrote. The eagle is on one side and it attacks. The spirit is on the other side waiting to bless. So let the eagle be the ego and don't worry about it. Don't be upset about the ego's presence because it's, it is, um, well, what I said is, don't be upset about the ego being present. So this reminds me of what Jennifer just said, actually, where the ego was actually present while she also received the blessing of being uh, connected with God, uh, and she could see both. Um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that out. It's just amazing to me that um, what I'm writing from my heart is being uh, is being brought up in these meetings and other other people uh, through their shares. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. (laughs) There's one more thing I have to say. This is Jen. That I was laughing at at the situation, uh, the irritant that I held, and the anger irritation of the other being. And that's, now I understand where it says in the text in the course, we forgot to laugh. That's where the laugh fell in. And that's the wisdom. Laugh, laughing at the whole thing, at the whole show. Uh, it's kind of like everyone out of the pool. Just observe the show and you're going to get a good laugh. Uh, I'll go ahead, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. I was just going to say, you know, I I feel sometimes like I feel irritated by people. And there are two things, two takeaways. I keep trying to tell myself over and over that that it's the ego part of me, that, that false self part of me that's objecting to the situation. And... Um, that that part of me isn't real, that it's an illusion, that I wanted to be free of it. I don't want to live in with this kind of like this demonic thing, part of me, you know, that doesn't like this and doesn't like that. I don't want that. I keep trying to give it over to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to have this ir- irritation or this resistance to someone. But, the loving thing for me to do 
is not try to stay and be object- subjected to it. The loving thing for myself is to walk away. You know, I mean, I've been trying and trying and trying to be spiritual and give it over and process it and let go of the falsehood of it and, you know, surrender the fact that it's um, it's not real. Something in my mind is latched on to this person to project my own guilt or my own self-hatred or whatever, I'm trying to apply the text to this situation. But sometimes I just feel like it's better to just walk away and be loving to myself instead of trying to keep working it out because it's not working out like even though I'm really trying to surrender it to the Holy Spirit and forgive it and say it's not real and give it over to the Holy Spirit. I'm not changing. I'm not having a breakthrough and I don't know what to do about it. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> that's, Thank you. That's, um, that's very excellent. Thank you, Karen. I was thinking the same thing. This. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying thank you. Um, well, I'll say that um, I, I do have to get the become very very clear, and I'm working on that about the ego's role and and uh, the and the role of the spirit. And uh, I wrote something the other day. Um, yesterday um, let's see here I know that um, uh, let me see what did I say here basically what I was writing about was that the ego is is the one that's making all the noise Uh, in in almost every, every circumstance that I find myself and every every person that I encounter where I may be, um, you know, upset or, or someone, or something that I don't like about a situation or a person. And I have to realize that they're, you know, based on where I'm at in, in each situation, I'm in sort of like in the middle. I'm the middle person. And then I have, then there's the ego and the reason why, for so many years, I always thought that it was me that was upset, or um, it was me that didn't like something that someone said, and it was me that got upset. The reason why I I, I always responded is because I did not know that it really was not me. I did not know that it was the ego. So any situation where I'm upset or frustrated or whatever, that's really not me. I'm the middle person. And I have to be aware of every emotion and every feeling that's a neg- that's negative. I have to be aware that that's that's the ego that's doing that. My job is to is to seek the, the spirit, and the spirit is quiet. The spirit just yeah. is is waiting to bless me, and that's when I can move towards the spirit, uh, and then I will uh, receive the blessings that come from. Uh, drawing close and getting quiet and seeking the spirit. So th- that's, for me, I'm starting to learn that in it, the person that I thought I was very, very angry with or the person that I thought 
that, um, you know, did some wrong to me. Really, I was mis- it was a complete misunderstanding. Uh, I did not know that that really was the ego. So when I can focus the truth like that, I'm sort of freed up with trying to fight against it. Because if, if, if I continue to fight against the ego, I'm going to lose because it's not a, a battle that I can win anyway. I have to be aware that it's the ego, and I have to be willing, like uh, 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 Lemoyne say all the time, to let it go. Just let it go. I have to be willing to do that uh, and stop the fight. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. And I am so glad you did, Diane. That um, That is an incredible insight on your part. And I enjoyed hearing that very much. Me too. Thank you. That's, um, that's actually so much, so astute. <laughs> uh, that is so incredibly astute. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm on a Facebook group uh, called the Course of Miracles. And so uh, I see a lot of a huge range of understandings on that. Facebook group, um, yeah, and something just popped into my mind the other day about how this how this Course in Miracles is written and how it's reflected in various people's understanding. And if you look at it and, and think about what you've read through this book, you'll realize that sometimes he's talking to you your real self, and sometimes he's addressing your ego. And he's, I had a friend one time, I said, and he does that, I'm certain, deliberately and on purpose, in order to uh, reflect for me that I think sometimes I'm an ego, and I think sometimes I'm as God created me. And it's the split in my mind that causes me to have that difficulty with interpretation. And, uh, and I'm not able to discriminate at first. Whose mind is he talking to when he says you? Is he talking to myself as I was created? Or is he talking to myself as I've misinterpreted myself or my ego understanding? And, um, and, and that's... That's the essence of the problem, um, the split mind. And when I get my mind straightened out or healed, when I allow my mind to be healed, uh, he calls that accepting the atonement for myself. It's really simple. Early on um, in the work, he says, it's the end of the... The atonement is the one event in time which is outside of time. It's the correction of the minds of God's son, (laughs) the correction of our minds, and the end of the ego's rule over our mind. And I I started out today's reading, you know, because he uses the word sickness a lot in this work. And, um, And the common understanding of sickness is an affliction of the body. You know, um, so I thought, okay, well, 
I, I'm going to draw a picture of that. He starts out in paragraph 47 with sickness. What is a sense of sickness but a sense of limitation, of a splitting off and separating from a gap perceived between ourselves and what is seen as health? The good is seen outside, the evil in, thus is sickness separating off the self from good and keep, keeping evil in. And God is the alternate dreams of fear. If I drew a picture of those first couple of sentences, <clears throat> what I'd have is a little tiny stick figure uh, called evil and a little tiny stick figure called evil and sickness. Yep. What is the gap? between ourselves and seeing its health, the good is seen outside the evil in, the evil in, and sickness is a sense of limitation. So I would have limitation and evil on my stick figure, and then I'd have a giant box on the other side that's full of goodness and health. And the space between my little tiny stick figure and goodness and health is the gap that my my mistaken mind, if I see myself as an ego, is going to perceive everywhere. Well, we know that's not true. And that's why you said it exactly right, Karen. God, love, truth is the alternate to the dreams of fear. Chapter 12, we're told there's only two emotions. One is fear and one is love. And fear is what has made this gap between my mind and yours, my mind and God's, my mind and creation. And because of fear, I've misinterpreted everything I see. I've misinterpreted. And by my misperceptions, by my misinterpretations, I've created, or I've not created, I've made, I've made this space that I think exists between me and creation, me and God, me and myself, me and my big self, my true self. Um, and the seeds of everything that I've misperceived are in that gap. Um, everything that I've ever misperceived is right there. That's why sharing is my escape. Why? Because the truth of me is the truth of you. The truth of me is the truth of Jesus. The truth of me, this you, my true you, not my false you, my true you is the same as I was created. Be you perfect as myself, he said, and I said I will. Ego has a really screwed up definition of what perfect is. <laughs> um, every ego has its own idea of what's perfect uh, based on its own arbitrary sets, set of values. But we understand because of the atonement that truth is true. And my little tiny stick figure, this misrepresentation of myself that he says is the secret vow, is the other part of this illusion. I made myself this ego entity, this false identity, and stand behind it 
because I'm afraid to recognize love. I'm back to there's only two emotions, fear and love. That's why accepting the atonement for myself is the reunification of my own mind and the end of the ego's rule over my mind. The atonement, he says, is the one defense in time that can never, ever, ever be used to harm. It's unlike every other defense. What do we, what do we muster a defense for except because we're afraid? God gave us a perfect defense for fear, and that perfect defense can only be used to heal. And it turns out when I let my mind be healed, I've also accepted myself as I was created. I've also accepted my relationship to my creator. I've also accepted my relationship to creation. There's so much in philosophy and even in the Bible that tells us truth is a is a cruciform relationship. And that's not because of crucifixion, but it's because if I am a little tiny dot, this self that I think I am, I'm a little tiny dot, and truth intersects with me from God as revelation, and truth intersects with my mind horizontally as a miracle. Miracles unite souls with each other, remember? All of a sudden, I am in right relationship to God, to my brothers, to the universe, to all creation, and I am restored to communication. And what is communication? But God, God in my mind, God everywhere I look, the truth of love being the one thing in the universe that's always true and totally understandable by creation. It's the one thing we can communicate and be understood at the same time because it's always the same. It's that extension of mind, that generosity that embraces, that look of kindness, a smile on the face. Um, this is the communication that we were created for. And what really happens when I accept the atonement for myself is my fear is gone. I have no need to project it anymore onto the universe. And now I'm restored to correct projection or the extension of truth. And that truth is just simply love. I no longer need to keep a secret vow that I'll be a body and be hurt by you or hurt you in return. I don't need that because my mind has been healed. Um, I don't need a limitation anymore because there's only mind and I can communicate again. I can use my body for communication. That's why... Uh, in chapter 24, and I think that's for all in today. Um, many places I could, but um, I think 24 is probably the right place. 
And let me find it. I have it on a tab. Well, I can find it on a tab really quick. In chapter 24, section 6, is the resolution of the dream. And there we're told, where could your peace come but from forgiveness? Forgiveness is nothing more than the withdrawal of my mistaken projections, you see? The gap that exists is a false gap. But while I'm split in my own mind, I will perceive this this gap. It's in my mind, and when my mind is healed, there is no gap between my mind and yours. I wake up from the dream. You know, it's what you said, Harrison, the atonement is awakening. The resolution of the dream work, peace come from but for forgiveness. Christ in you looks only on the truth. My mind's healed and sees no condemnation that could need forgiveness. He is at peace because he sees no sin. Identify with him. What is he that you have not? He is your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet. How gentle are the sights he sees, the sounds he hears. How beautiful his hands. See, I even learned to love myself. It holds his brothers. And how lovingly he walks beside him, showing him what can be seen and heard. And where he will see nothing, there is no sound to hear. Christ in you is very still. He knows where you are going, and he leads you there in gentleness and blessing all the way. His love for God replaces all the fear you thought you saw within yourself. His holiness shows you himself in him whose hand you hold and whom you lead to him. And what you see is like yourself. Where's the gap now? For what but Christ is there to see and hear and love and follow home? He looked upon you first, but recognized that you were not complete. And so he thought, for your completion in each living thing that he beholds and loves and seeks it still, that each might offer you the love of God. Now I have no need to share a dream of fear. Now I can allow the light of Christ the light of truth or the light of vision however you want to say I can let the light of God shine through my mind and um, I'm restored to my self as God created me where I recognize all creation belongs to me that you belong to me as I belong to you that nothing's out of place and um that's the gift of the Course in Miracles. And I think that's how we offer each other miracles every morning, for which I'm so grateful. And I'll end the recording now. Um, but, you know, Moja likes to say duality is not a mistake. Um, nor is it a mistake that the Father created a son in order to extend love. And... Uh, that's what we're about, and I'm complete. I love you.